Well, hey everyone, and thanks so much for joining us at Frontline Community Online. We're a church based in Ramstein, Germany, and we have a simple mission, and that's to love God, love others, and help others love God. Now we do this by being real, relational, and relevant. Now during this podcast, you'll hear from our lead pastor, John Maroos, discussing some practical and in-depth teachings from the Bible and how to apply them to our everyday life. Now we hope that you're blessed and that your faith is inspired through this podcast today. And God bless you. My name is John Moose. If you're visiting with us, I'm the lead pastor here. And uh, we're going to dive right in. How's that sound? Can we do that? We're going we're gonna to dig into the Word of God today because I ain't got much to say, but God's got a lot to say. And we need to hear from our, our good Father today. So go ahead and grab the book. We're about the book here. And uh, get it ready. Go to Romans 12. Um, we're going to end up in 1 Peter chapter 1. We'll throw all these verses up here on our screens on either side of me. What's going on Facebook and YouTube? We are uh, live streaming this as well. So we want to say hi to you guys. I want to see you active. I can see into your living rooms right now. Be careful. I want to see you active and praising God and running around your living room. Somebody actually messaged me and asked me how I'm doing that. I can't see into anybody's living room. This is the fun part about having cameras. <laughs> That's creepy, isn't it? Uh, I can't see you, but I wish I could. I miss you guys. I love you guys. Got a special treat, uh, a little announcement at the end of the sermon. So even if you disagree with it, you got to hang in there because I got a special thing for you, all right? But we're in this series called Social, and I was going to do this series anyway. Um, of course, uh, the murder of George Floyd uh, radically redirected me as God spoke through this tragic murder and uh, it just kind of built on something that was already there. And now I don't know where I'm at. I'm just preaching week to week, trying to keep up with the world. Anybody else just trying to keep up with the world right now? Kind of dodging punches and trying to figure out what the talking point is anymore. And that's what it's like preaching. I'm trying to figure out what's what and how to lead a church that can't assemble. But uh, I felt like the Lord really pressed it on my heart to talk about God's nation today. Because there, there's a lot of national movement right now. A lot of it's good. A lot of it's crazy. Uh, here we are in the German nation. And I'm studying uh, German history right now, which is amazing to, to fall in love with these people. But of course, as Americans, uh, many of you are Americans as well as Germans. And people from all kinds of different wonderful countries. We're talking a lot about our nations our nations. And really, I guess what I want to talk about today is how to find unity. And I'm not even go, going to a national level. That's a long project, and that's a different sermon. But I'm in a mode right now where I need something manageable. I need something tangible. And while I preached last week on how we can change the nation, I need something I can deal with now. Uh, I need something that I can change now. I need something I can get my hands on now because if I wait on politics, it's going to be a long journey. And let me just ask you a question. Facebook, uh, YouTube, I'm talking to you guys too. There's my camera. I'm talking to you guys too. But I just, let me just talk to you. Can I talk to you for a minute? Let me just ask you a couple of questions. How many of you guys are feeling fatigue? Just raise your hand. So that was like a fatigued clap. You're just like, that's, that's just like the... Like, I don't even want to clap right now. As a matter of fact, Pastor John, you're moving too fast already right now. How many of you guys, seriously, raise your hand if you're feeling fatigued. And you know what? It's weird. It's not so much a physical fatigue. It's a soul fatigue. I think it's beyond mental. There's a soul fatigue. Uh, David writes about it when he says his soul is tired. Um, let me just ask you a question. There's rules to this church. You cannot mention anybody's name, all right? You're going to get someone in trouble in this room. Facebook, YouTube, you can't mention names. But talk to me for a minute. Seriously, I miss talking to you guys. I miss talking to you. What's making you weary right now? Just holler back. This is your chance. Cover your mouth a little bit. But just, just talk to me. What's making you weary right now? The unknown. How many of you guys can feel that? The unknown. What else? What is it? The missing spark. 
Is that what you said? The missing spark. Like, what is that missing, that missing element in us? Absolutely. And that's been hard to generate in these days. What else? Misunderstanding. Misunderstanding. And then sometimes, Lachey, I, lately I've been wondering, because I'm looking at people as well saying, I, don't, I think you're misunderstanding things. And then I start going, do I understand everything? So there's like this, this combination of people are misunderstanding people groups right now, in particular race. But then we're also saying, are we even understanding? And they're trying to have the patience to not, you know, kill each other right now. I'll say what you want to say today. How's that? What else? Craziness. Thank you. It's time to get real. Craziness is, is causing fatigue. Give me a couple more. You guys are depressing me, but give me a couple more. Division. Disappointment. Let's, let's lump it in right, right about here. Disappointment and division. Disappointment and division. And at first, we were, we were ready to rock and roll. We were ready to fight this thing, and, and we're still trying to fight this thing and find a way forward, but it's fatiguing, isn't it? It's fatiguing. Facebook, I don't want you to mention names or cause division because I got people on there who got my back on Facebook right now. But, uh, but I want you to write down what's making you weary right now. And if you're feeling exhausted, I was sharing this with our pastors this week. Do you know 2020 has been nuts? Check this out. Are we six months in? What month is this? Is it December? This is our Christmas service? It's like 80 degrees out right now. Check it out, you guys. Donjie was saying she saw a, like a cartoon where someone had a, a stick and uh, a door, and it said 2020 on the door, and the person was just creeping it open like, what, what else is in there? What else is coming? Well, I got high hopes because of my God. But check it out. Here's what's happened in 2020. 2020 has, has literally had history's chaos crammed into it. 2020 started off like 1974, an impeachment crisis. It quickly became 1918, a pandemic. And then 2020 turned into 1929, an economic crash. And 2020 is now, 1968, a massive urban unrest. That's why we're tired. I mean, those folks back in 1918 and 74 and 29 and 68, they dealt with one of those crazy times. We got it all coming at us. That's why we're tired. Amen? And what's making, can I just, can I vent a little bit? I behaved myself up to this point. What's making this situation harder is the conversations people are attempting to have. Now, I'm not perfect. The Lord Jesus is perfect. But, but I believe if Jesus was on this earth, he would be, our heads would be spinning. You see, here's what someone tried to do. They tried to trap him once. I'm never going to get to my sermon, but it's good to see you guys and talk to you. Here, check it out. Jesus, Jesus is very different. If we're followers of Jesus, Facebook should look very different right now. The conversation should look radically different. I don't think Jesus would, would be on any side. His side is God's side, and it's so vastly radical and vastly different. He would probably be laying us all out. Here, here's what they did. They tried to trap him. You know people are trying to trap you right now? They're trying to bait you into sides and, and try to get you to miss the way forward by looking at sides and micro battles and all this stuff. I got a sermon today. I'll get to it in a minute. But here's what Jesus did. They were doing it. Okay, Dondria, it's your birthday. Uh, I'm going to listen to Dondria and take my time. One time, Jesus was walking by, and everyone wanted to get him on their side. And so they go like this. The Roman Empire was over the Jewish people, and they were making the Jewish people pay a high tax. And the Jewish people didn't like it. How many guys hate taxes? All right, amen. <laughs> Someone was ready for that one. And, and, uh, and this, this, this religious dude comes up. He's a Jewish guy, and he comes up, and he goes like this. Jesus, should we pay taxes to Rome or not? Because the Jewish people are only called to pay taxes to the temple, not a foreign nation. And so they tried to bait Jesus into taking sides. And, uh, and, he, and this Jewish guy, goes, he goes like this. Shouldn't we rebel against the government? Should, if, if you're a Jew and you're with us, then shouldn't you side with us? We shouldn't have to pay taxes to Rome. And Jesus goes like this. He's the lion. And Jesus goes like this. Show me a coin. And the dude pulls out a coin. He pulls out a coin like this, you guys. And he's like, yeah, Jesus is on my side. 
Jesus, Jesus is my race. He's a, he's, he's a Jew, and he's going to be on my side. And Jesus goes like this, whose face is on that coin? And the guy goes, Caesar's? Jesus goes, and then give it to Caesar. And then he goes, whose image is on your soul? And all of a sudden it got real quiet. And Jesus was saying, God's image is on your soul. Why don't you worry about giving your life to God's? All these little debates, you know, I want to scream out on Facebook. Why don't we start giving our souls to God right now? And maybe we would find a way forward. Here's the conversation that I'm seeing. And as the pastor of this church, if you belong to this church or you're checking us out, I want you to honor this church and honor the Lord by the way we're talking out there. Here's, there's a two-sided division happening in our world. And I'm going to talk more and more about this. There's a my-sidism going on. A my-sidism. And I told you guys last week... There was the death of an American, a death of a black man, and I believe God was using it to take our great nation that we love even further into unification by revealing that crime. And he was, he was forging a way forward through new conversations and, and new laws and new loves. And all of a sudden, this wacky my-sideism, which always happens, hit. 330 million Americans are now finding micro-issues and it almost feels like antagonizing drawing in of some type of fight right now. Like, I'm preaching on, like, this man was killed. God is calling us to unite. God is calling us to go forward, and we can. We can love this country. We can see the blight in our country, and we can love it so much we take it further. And someone's like, well, if that life mattered, then animal lives matter. It's like, did you say animal lives matter? Like, okay, I get that. But that's not what God revealed right now. It was a very strange thing. And so we're getting this weird my-sideism, guys. And it's, I want you to be very careful. Everybody's got a side. Everybody's got a cause. There are so many precious battles going on out there. We understand that. But please be careful as a follower of Jesus that you're not so consumed with this my-sideism. It's like, well, what about me? What about my thing right there? When it's like God Almighty revealed that something happened and, and we can forge forward on this issue. And this weird my-sideism has hit. And there's going to be a time when God raises up awareness in these other areas and we're going to rally and fight for him. But be careful being baited and be like Jesus. Be like Jesus. And then there's this other thing. I'm going to talk about this a lot in the near future, especially to you young adults. There's, there's something called the cancel culture. You've probably, I mean, anybody heard of the cancel culture out there? Write that down. I'm ready for someone to cancel me on Facebook. Then I won't have to go on there anymore. But there's something called the cancel culture that's hurting us right now. And what I'm talking about is moving forward together. You see, when someone posts or shares their opinion, and uh, maybe it doesn't align, or maybe a word wasn't right, or, or maybe something was just barely off, we have now empowered the world through social media and 2,000 followers. And this, this guy could be living in his mom's basement. But because he's got 2,000 followers and we've given everybody power through social media, this cancel culture can find a small nuance in a post and they can grab a hold of it, label it as something demonic, and pressure the culture to cancel that person. This is called civil unrest. Christian people need to look at Jesus right now and find a new way forward. This is not the way the Lord would deal with this. And then there are people who just want some stinking justice. They just want some progress. White people, black people, Asian people, Middle Eastern people, Hispanic people. It's just like, dude, come on, let's get back to this thing. We, we can get forward together. And so let me just speak. I'm sorry. Are you good? Okay, I just want to get that out of my system. I've been holding that in for like six days. My family, they got to they gotta walk with me all week with this stuff, that, that poor family. And so I, I just want to, I want to look, I want to start over and I want to look at those who are struggling, which is all of us, white or black. And by the way, can we drop some of the politically correct terms in this church? Like Caucasian, can we, we're, just, we're white, okay? 
That's like, that sounds like a bird, okay? You're fine. We're fine. Goodness. But, uh, but there's, there's many of us who just want justice, and we just want progress. And I think, um, and I told you guys, whether it's race or, like, I grew up with a, a mom. My mom's watching. Mom, love you. And my mom's my hero. I tell you guys this all the time. She went through hell and back and then went through it two more times. And she's a strong woman. And my dad died when I was 14, and she raised a bunch of crazy kids by herself uh, on welfare. And so there's, there's issues like uh, women's rights. You know, there's, there's young men who have had it very hard in this world, and they deserve justice and rights and, and PTSD because you've given your life for democracy and liberty, and, and we need to fight for your rights and your care. And so there's, there's so many people groups who just want justice and they want progress. And I think what's hard is when, is when you don't feel, feel like you're going to get it in this life. And I want to say something, and it's not to discourage you. You know, we may not get justice in this life, whatever you, wherever you're at, wherever you're at. You may. My hope is you do. But I know many great people, and I'm not just talking to the black community, but I understand uh, that that is overwhelmingly directed to you. But uh, young women, great men, just been through hell and back. You may not get justice in this life. And the hard thing is we're wired for justice. So if you don't find an outlet for the justice and nobody's helping you get justice, it just creates a burn. It creates a, an anger and a bitterness. And we don't know what to do with that. And the scary thing is, and this is why I want to help you right now, is, uh, is Paul says in Ephesians, you got to be careful when you don't get justice and it's left to burn because that's when the devil gets a foothold. And so we got to figure out what to do with a longing for justice in this world. We got we to gotta find out what to do with the longing for justice because we're wired for justice and the burning has nowhere to go. And what do we do with that fire? We cannot let it consume us. And so here's the release. And I, I just want to say this very gently because this, this could come out like wildfire if I'm not careful. But if you're struggling to know what to do with that longing for justice, no matter what your story is, Chad, go ahead and throw up Romans 12, 9, 19 for me right here. I want you to read this verse. And, and when I read this verse, I want you to feel your justice being satisfied with the power of this promise. Beloved, you may not feel loved, but you're the loved always. That's what that word means. Yeah, I don't know what you've been through, but you're the loved always here. You, you got a voice here, God says. Loved always, never avenge yourself. And I'm like, but God, it feels good for minutes. Like, no one else is avenging me. Like, what do you mean? I'm just supposed to take this stuff and for generations? And, and that's such a hard thing until this enters in, and then it just staggers us down. But leave it to the wrath of God. And I was talking to our staff about this, and I was like, you know, I could take my worst enemy, the person who's done the most vilest things to me, and, and I've got them, guys. I've got them in my life. And when I think of them falling into the hands of the living God, when I recognize that that is an eternal verse, that for eternity, if they do not repent and seek forgiveness from God, they will be under the eternal wrath of God forever. When I picture that person's face in that verse, I do not wish this on the worst of my enemies. And this is how God says, and it may not be emotionally satisfying, but this is how God says we can deal with this injustice, whatever your story is on this earth, knowing one day, by the way, the greatest justice you could get on this earth is nothing compared to the perfect justice of God. And if you could put that situation or that person into the wrath of God, man, it will rock you to almost do this. And I've done this before. God, spare them. Like, Lord, no. It's been bad down here. But Lord, I would rather them be saved and just be transformed. Can, let's just do that. But not your wrath, man. And you can see why this verse is important. Because it's so powerful. 
That it allows this justice to begin to, 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 to gently and slowly move into a different place. He says, vengeance is mine. I will repay it, says the Lord. I've got your back. And if they won't repent and be saved and be transformed, I promise I will deal with it on my terms. And when he goes like this, but leave it, it means leave room for the wrath of God. In other words, if I take it upon myself, God goes like this. All right, you got it. But if I will trust, and and you may say it's easy for you to say that up there. It's not easy. You don't know my story. But I'm, I'm telling you that Jewish people said this. The most battered and bruised people the world has ever seen. And again, we're going to have to encourage each other because it's not easy just to turn the justice switch off, but we got to encourage each other. And I don't want to throw this at people and, and be bold on Facebook. I mean, that's a, that's a scary verse if you ask me. But allow your soul to begin to move through that promise that God will. God will deal with people. Does that make sense, guys? I almost feel like I'm coming out and hugging you guys. Like, I don't want to be awful here and saying this stuff. I just want you to feel that. He will bring justice. But what do we do until then? (laughs) Yeah, we can meditate on this, but what can we change now? If we can't change our world or we're changing it person by person as we talked about last week, what is in our power? Where do we retreat to? Where where can I go to find some some rest and, and some unity and some love and, you know, the best place... That I can think of is my one point to you. And, and this is where my focus is and my love is. Chad, throw this up for me. I want everyone to write this down. The church, guys. The church, the church, the church. The church is the place where we become one. If we can't find it at the level we want in the nation. If we can't find it in the world as we want. At the level we want right now. We're working at it. We're hoping. We're working at it. The amazing thing is... God says we should find it at an extremely beautiful level right here in the church. Now, some of you guys, I know someone is already on Facebook on like this. That's not my church experience. Just hang on. Just hang on. Give me a shot. I have 18 minutes and 29 seconds. Go to 1 Peter 1.1. Let me show you this. I love the church. I love this church. I'm now being asked to speak in the KMC. Uh, at a German church on this topic, uh, at a multicultural church on this topic, and I am doing my best to spread passion for the church because I believe God's program is not always to fix the world. That's called the second coming. But it is to fix the church, a refuge, a hiding place, a resting place, a new culture and a new nation. Let me show you the church. First Peter 1.1. 1, 1. You ready? You got it? You got it? Raise your hand if you got it. Got it, meaning you're ready. First Peter 1.1. 1, 1. Peter's writing. Peter was a big mouth. He got, he got his act together, though, when he wrote it. He was an older guy. It's funny when, what happens when you get older. He, he, started, he started learning some things. And so he's not, you know, he doesn't have a foot-shaped mouth anymore. And so he writes this, and you can really understand our world by reading this. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ... An apostle being a special representative of God. He's got the authority to say these things. Now watch this. To those who are elect exiles. What does your Bible have right there instead of exiles? Foreigners. What else? That's it. We got NIV or ESV Bibles apparently. Okay. What is it? Huh? Strangers. Foreigners. Exiles. Now, that's how we all feel a little bit. Now, so many of you are in the military, yet nationally, there's kind of this, like, ache, right? It's like, I love my country, but I've heard so many patriotic, amazing Christian friends of mine who are PCS and saying, I love my country. I gave my life for my country. I'm terrified to go back to my country right now. It's a really weird dynamic, and that's not to say we don't love our country. I don't mean any of that, But, but feel what Peter is saying. There's a bunch of Jewish people who are in the Middle East They're in Jerusalem. They're in Israel. And because of the persecution of Rome, they have to spread. They have to run. And now they are dispersed, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are the elect exiles of the dispersion. So obviously some awful incident happens 
in the Middle East through the Roman government that caused all these Jewish people to run and live in foreign countries. Some of them were kidnapped and brought there. Some of them were running for their lives. Some of them moved with family. And then he lists the different areas, Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, just different areas, different cities where these people were exiled. And uh, they, were, they were longing for home. They were scared to go home because of the violence that was going on in their country. Exiles of the dispersion or refugees not knowing what happened to home. And what's amazing about this in verse 2 is God knew it would happen because of the brokenness of our world. This did not take God off guard that this happened. And what happened in the States and what's happening in the UK right now and now in France, uh, in Italy, and do I dare go on? Now India and China, you know, all this other stuff's going on in the world. Come Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. That's our prayer. But, but with all this dispersion going on and all of this, this feeling of how do we go home, and home is on fire right now, it didn't take God off guard. God knew it would happen. Therefore, God has an answer. Verse 2, check it out. According to the foreknowledge of God. Now, I've talked a long time to God about this, Sam. I've said over and over, Lord, if you knew about it, why didn't you stop it? And he's like, well, why don't you tell your dog how the internet works I'm like Lord did you just call me a dog he's like no I didn't call you a dog I'm just saying this thing is so complex my plan is so complex that even if I told you it it wouldn't make sense so you got to roll with me and trust me this is a faith move right now so he says by the foreknowledge of God the father he knew this would happen and so he created a way for us to get through it and this is hard, feeling displaced, and, and it, you, you know, it's weird to even be an American right now because we have subcategories that this stuff always creates. We're not just Americans now. We're white Americans. We're black Americans. We're Asian Americans. We're second-generation Americans. We start categorically looking at ourselves, and I understand. I understand, but, but we want to be Americans, but through the dispersion, through the shakeup and, and the chaos in our country, we have these weird identities that keep popping through our Christian identity and our American identity. We start labeling, labeling ourselves as, as a race or, or a state or a country or a coast, west coast, east coast. Well, I grew up on the west coast, and, and it's all because we're just trying to figure this out. We start identifying ourselves by a family, and yet we're all displaced right now. We, we don't know almost like where do we belong. Biracial couples, and it's crazy. It's all crazy. It was celebrated. Now it's all crazy. We're like, and so God goes, I knew this would happen, and it will happen again. So I've created a place for you when all hell breaks loose on this earth. When your nation is set on fire and it's trying to find its healing, I have created a nation for you to run to. 1 Peter 2.9. This so touches my heart. But you are a chosen race. You see, the pain of the Jewish people is that the Romans were pushing them out of their country and persecuting them because of their race. And they didn't know where home was. They didn't know where their race was. They were confused. A royal priesthood, the Roman nation, pushed them out of the synagogue. They didn't know where to worship. A holy nation, a set-apart ethnic, a holy ethnic, a holy race, He's not saying divorce your country. He's saying because your country's struggling, I've given you a country where you can thrive. It's called the church. You are a holy nation. And what's crazy about this verse is while nations crumble at times, and we pray that America, and I believe in America, America is one, it's incredibly young. It's still trying to figure a lot out. Um, there's a hotel that's older than our country 
two blocks away, and we love our country, but it's a young country with young documents. We're trying to figure uh, this stuff out, and, and while we're trying to figure this out and, and forge forward, and, I, and we're resilient, I believe we're going to become better than ever, but while it's trying to figure its way out, and while our identities are flying, and, and we're talking all this stuff, God goes, I've given you a nation within a nation for you to come and just rest every week. Just come here and rest. These people are different. It's not going to be a war in here. It's not going to be a war in here. There's going to be peace in here. And while the nation's on fire, this nation's going to be getting better. And the, the nation of the church getting better is actually the answer to the nation that we love getting better. Because if there are really a half million churches in America and we're doing church right as these little siloed nations unifying and loving each other no matter what race, gender, or anything else is going on, then we go out into our nation, we should be healing the states. The church is the answer. Where am I at? Verse 9. Did I get through verse 9? A people for his own possession. Jesus died. We always think like, have you accepted Jesus as your Savior? That's fine. But we think Jesus died for me to have this relationship with God. And he did. But Jesus died to save you into a people. You are a communal person now. We don't go to church. We are the church. And in the first century in the book of Acts, going to church was, was a foreign concept. They saw themselves as the church, a place they could rest of all nationalities, of all ages, of all stories and background built around one thing, the grace of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And that's what he just said at the end of verse 9, that you may proclaim that you could come in here, belong, be transformed, go out there, and then proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous lights. Once we were dead in sins and trespasses, he called us to himself and saved us. Now we go like this. We look, I, I look at these young people and I go, here's what the Bible says. That's my little brother. I know that may have been weird right there. Um, but these are, these are like, that's my little sister. That's my little brother right now. That's my sister. That's my brother. Don't throw nothing at me. This is my mother. I know. I, I, Dondria, I knew I was going to get, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hear about that next week. She's going to get me for that. Um, and, and on Father's Day, my, I'm, I grew up fatherless. And uh, I look at some of the older people in our church and I go, that's, my, that's like my father. That's my brother back there. That's my brother in the corner. And that's my, my sister and that's my mother. And through Jesus Christ and his love being poured out into our hearts, I look at you people and I go, Sam, Sam's my brother. Sam's my little brother because I'm getting older. Sam's my little brother. And uh, then, we, then we go out and people see us different. They see us treating our coworkers different. They say, what would you do this weekend? Man, I went and worshiped my God. Where do you go? I go to that weird little warehouse called Frontline. What would you guys do? Man, we just partied it up with Jesus. Man, what's your church like? I don't know. It's crazy, man. Watch us online. And they look online and they go, what is going on in there? There's all these races and all these people and all these age groups. And like, I love, I love Ger you German people. I love you. Uh, I love your country. I mean that with all my heart. And one of the things I love is when you tell your German friends, you got to go to Frontline. It's weird and different. Uh, and then Germans come in for the first time and they go, why do you, you guys love kids so much? Like you got all these kids, um, you know, not that Germans don't love kids, but typically church, they got to sit, you know, they got to sit in and we got like this staff, this awesome staff, uh, who, who loves our kids ministry. And so what he's saying in the end of verse nine is when we come in here, we experience unity and something different. And, uh, when we go out and people say, yeah, aren't you sick and tired? Well, yeah, we are, but we've got this thing. You got to. Come be a part of this thing. Come see it. We proclaim the excellencies. I told you guys last week, the only place you'll find something like this is in the church of Jesus Christ and the stinking football stadium. <laughs> but as soon as your Raiders lose again, it's over. Just preaching the Bible. Verse 10. Did we get there? Verse 10. Once you were not a people, once you weren't a part of this frontline thing, you know, many of you weren't saved 18 months ago when I got here. 
Once you were not a people. You were left out there to figure it out in a fight. But now you are God's people. Now you're accepted in here. Because if Christ accepts me, I accept you. Once you had not received mercy, but now you've been mercied. Now we live in the mercy of God. You see, if God mercies me, he goes, John, you were this jacked up, fist fighting, drunk kid, and I just mercied you. I just went, I love you, kid. Come here. You're mine now. How can I not, in bathing in that, show you mercy? How can I not love you outward? See, here's what we do with the cross. I, I shouldn't, I don't want to speak with you, but the cross looks like this or something. And we like this. We like the upward mercy. But it's this too, guys. That upward mercy is supposed to shoot mercy out to each other. And I like that. Verse 11, beloved, loved always. God loves you always. Love each other always. I urge you as sojourners, as people who are trying to figure out what's going on in their country and exiles to abstain from the passions of Facebook. No, I didn't say that, but I'm still venting. Facebook, just keep watching. It's all good. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles, guys, as the church called Frontline, please abstain from the passions of the flesh right now. Don't get caught in the fights they're drawing you out to. We say we're the church. We're pushing for rights. We're pushing for the change of laws. But we got this thing in here that we're fighting for more than anything, the unity around the gospel of Jesus Christ, which wage war against your soul. Tonight, you're going to feel something because you're on Facebook, and you're going to feel it. And you're going to like post, like, you know, don't push the button. Like, man, I want to get them. But it's not our way. It's not our way. Holy Spirit, please help us. And see, when a nation can't agree to unite, and we have little power to change it, we do have a nation where it can happen. And it's right in front of us. God's nation. And what we're supposed to be doing as a church is not going to church, you know, around vacations. And I know that's such a low blow right now. <laughs> it's like we're all trying to get to Italy, right? Spain, somewhere. I don't. But we have to move. Even if you're here for two years, we have to move from, yeah, I go to Frontline. To I'm changing the world by being a part of Frontline. And I need Christ to change me. And I'm, I'm being changed with a men's group. I'm being changed in a, a life group. I'm being changed in a teen group. I'm being changed with a people who are falling in love with each other more and more. And, and let me just say this. We, I, I don't want to ask for volunteers for our kids' ministry. I want to tell you that the only way we're going to change the world is to open a kids' ministry. That's not just like child care, guys. It's teaching little people to love each other. Maybe the most important ministry we have outside of the teaching ministry in this church is how we teach our little people. Because when I go back there on Sunday and I see this little black dude and this little white girl and I see this little Hispanic girl walk in and, and they're all just playing together and we see some about the love of Jesus, we're building a DNA early on. That's how we change the world. We don't go to church. We are the church with a nation within a nation to change the nation. And when a nation can't agree to unite, we got a little power to change it. We can, and we do have the power to change it here. And if that's all we can control right now, then let's get after it. We're not, we're not coming to church anymore. We're supposed to be forging a counterculture around the ways of Christ, showing the world what it's supposed to look like in this room. And I believe Frontline is quite good at this. Every church has got to build. Every church has got to repent. Every church has got to keep moving. Every church, every church. But I believe in this church and what's happening. And, and here's how it looks. 1 Peter 2, verse 1. I'm going to shut this down. 1 Peter 2, verse 1. But I got something to tell you first. Then we'll shut it down. So here's what we do. Here's how we change. You say, well, how do we change and grow in love? I still got some edginess to me and some animosity by the way, that's fine. It's not fine, but it's fine as long as your motive is to come here and grow. None of us are perfect. My soul. And by the way, if you've been in a church where this has not been good, I, I'm only in Germany. I don't know what to do. I, this is all I got right here. Maybe you should move to Germany. Just kidding. 
or have me come preach at your church. Um, but even if you've had a bad experience here, guys, I'm not, I'm not telling you Frontline's going to be perfect. Even in the bad experiences, if that has been an experience here, then we take the gospel of Jesus Christ, we sit down and do it his way, we talk about it, we find his way forward, and we kill that sin. And I know it's easier, easier said than done, but this is the best we're going to do right here. We're supposed to be forging a counterculture that causes that culture out there to look in and wonder the power we have. And here's how it works. First Peter 2, verse 1. So put away all malice. Okay, if I can't get people to stop with malice on Facebook and, and Twitter battles, Twitter battles, <laughs> and, and battles in the states and battles in countries, if I can't, I can do it in here. We can put away, apparently, all malice and all deceits. What's up? Hey, good morning. Inside, you're like, man. We can put that away in hypocrisy, which means to wear a mask. It means to be an actor. Like, we could actually connect our hearts so much that we're not playing anymore. We truly love each other. Like, I got your back. And envy and all slander. We can kill that here if we can't kill it out there. How? Verse 2. Don't you love the Bible? Like babies, like newborn infants. We got like 15 pregnancies in our church right now. This shit so makes sense to you. Like newborn <laughs> infants. And, and I like that term because it means we got to kind of start over. It's okay to, to, to say we may have got this wrong, but that's why we joined Frontline. Because we're like newborns now. It's all good. You, you know, you haven't wasted time or anything. Don't be discouraged by that. I like that. We got a father on Father's Day. God the Father. And we can start like newborn infants. And the way that we connect and love each other and, and put away malice and deceit and hypocrisy and show the world what they should be like is to long for the pure spiritual milk. That's the Word of God. That's the Bible. That by its... You may grow up into a Christ-likeness. We can become like Jesus if we'll go like this. Okay, I got wrath in me. I got malice. I got these things in me. I got these worldviews in me. I got these lenses I look through. But we're going to sit down as a community together called men's groups and Sunday mornings. And we're going to see what Jesus says. One mind. Jesus is mind. What do you say I should feel? How do you say I should fight? I just finished James this morning. How should I talk, lords? Goodness. What if we all looked at James together and said, here's how we're going to try to speak to each other. And I like that word spiritual milk. It means the word of God, but it really means father talk on Father's Day. Totally did not plan that. The, the logicon, father speech. In other words, we're God's kids. We're just like this motley crew of people. Don't you love that? Just coming in here with all this victories and baggage and worldviews and ideologies. And, and we all just sit down and our father goes, can I, can I give you some father talk? It's dad time. That's what we call a women's group. That's what we call a life group. That's what we call a teen group, a young adults group, a kids ministry, a Sunday service. We're hearing father talk, father talk. And he goes, hey, I want to get you all on the same page, kids. Because they may be fighting and brawling in the neighborhood, but not in this house. Here's how we do it. And we fight with dad. We say, well, is that verse really saying that? Did, it, did dad really say that? But we work through it. We get it. And we begin to get on the same page towards each other, regardless of race and age and all that stuff. And I like what he says in verse 3. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Can someone shout amen? Is the Lord good? If the Lord is good and you tasted of his goodness when he saved your soul. Taste of his goodness when he transforms your soul. We can have that here. And it's something that, that we're going to have to work at. Because we're going to come in with all these messages from the world. But we can do it by the grace of God and the Holy Spirit and the word of God. It's got to be worked at. It's got to be defended. It's got to be preserved. This oneness through the Bible. This love we have. And that's why I'm not begging people for kids ministry. Workers, I'm telling you, if we want to start father talk to our kids to transform them, then sign up. 
But I was sitting around as a staff, uh, with our staff, leading our staff meeting, and I, we've been talking about this midweek. And Lachey, we've been meeting every week and talking about this midweek, this Tuesday midweek. And uh, Wednesday, thank you. Watch me, watch me. Too much in this head right now. Uh, a Wednesday gathering. We, we just felt like we need to gather more right now. And I know we can't sit on each other's laps and, and have nurseries and everything right now, but we figured, you know, if, if, if our Father wants to talk to us right now, when the world's talking to us and messing us up, and we've got to stay a nation within a nation right now and transform, then why don't we just pray to the Holy Spirit and see if he would launch out another gathering. And so we got together and we planned and we prayed and I don't think we prayed much. It just made sense, you know. And uh, we're starting a, a Wednesday gathering, evening gathering here. Yeah, I'm excited. And uh, we're going to dig into Scripture in a new way with some real depth. And it's going to be life-changing, and we're going to hear from the Father. And the whole series, the whole study is called Grace Through the Eyes of Jesus, and we're just going to see Jesus interact with all kinds of people, prostitutes, religious dudes who think they're better than people. And we're just going to see that through grace, he spoke to them and he changed every one of them. He's going to take one of his followers, oddly enough, who actually has racial tendencies, and then he's going to, he's going to go to kids and people who are treating kids wrong and we're just going to look through his eyes as a people, as a nation, a church. We're just going to keep getting down and looking through his eyes and saying, what if this week we could all take that step and see this type of person this way and speak to them this way? You know, that's something that is in our control. That's in our control. And if we can't change our nation at the level we want, we can change the nation of the church. July 1st next Sunday you'll be able to save a seat for that midweek gathering that starts July 1st and I think we're going to be changed and we're going to pray and we're going to unite but I just want to encourage you guys to love the church it's the hope it's always been the hope Christ is calling us out of our small stories of self into a community what it says here I'm done I owe you six minutes Sam but you love me I, I was uh, I want to encourage you to read First Peter this week would you do that because the part I didn't read goes like this how many of you guys want to experience the fresh falling of the Holy Spirit on you man I get choked up <laughs> well Peter goes like this in the Old Testament there was a temple God said, if you build the temple brick by brick, just the way I said, my presence will come down once it's together. Peter goes, that temple's gone. It's been destroyed. There's a new temple. It's you. And if you'll come together, cornerstone Jesus then he'll fall fresh again and that's what we want amen let's pray
said the gates of hell can't touch this thing. It's the thing we have is the spirit of Jesus Christ in this place. And Father, we're going to fight to fix nations. But I pray that every person would feel strengthened that they can fall back into this place, this nation, this church, and just worship and be safe and have a voice and grow with people. Father, ignite our hearts. This is the one thing that is manageable right now, a nation within a nation. Help us to build this. Help us to teach our kids to love this thing, the beauty of all these wild people just coming in with different stories and skin color and age and just saying, we love you, Lord. You saved us, Lord. And because you love us, we love each other. And this is our refuge as exiles. Give us this love and strength for one another and for this place. Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. If this is your first time joining us online, please head over to our website, frontlinecommunity.org, and under the contact us portion, say hi. We'd love to meet you. If you would like someone from our church to pray for you, please shoot us an email at prayer at frontlinecommunity.org. If you feel led to contribute financially to this ministry, please visit frontlinecommunity.org forward slash about, forward slash give, or email giving at frontlinecommunity.org. Please feel free to subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on and rate our podcast. We hope you are blessed today and we'll see you next week.